You are Locked On Hawks Postcast, part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Hawks Postcast, your home for the best Hawks talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere but right here at Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste, and of course, alongside me is Deshaun Tate. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100 daily. Fantasy sports made easy. The Locked On Hawks postcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Sean the Hawks were trying to make it three in a row when they hit the road to take on the Celtics today, but they fell just short. We'll deep dive on the Hawks 113-103 loss to the Seas in the and one and take you through who got next. But first, let's get T and Tate's takes on what went down today, starting with you, Tate. The takeaway from the Hawks-Celtics game, you said if you can knock down free throws, you can knock out the top team. Absolutely. And listen, this has been a team that's been doing – a pretty damn good job of that. Um, I hate to see that you get all the way up to this point, and I'm not going to say treat it like you don't know how to shoot free throws, but yet (laughs) 63% is still just clearly not good enough. Now, listen, when you don't have probably one of your most consistent players, certainly one of your most improved players, no question, um, in the rotation, and you lose by 10, and it's on the road, and one of your star players, biggest money makers score within what? Probably single digits, not having a great Mm -hmm. game. There's so many different other elements and layers to the onion here. Hence why Mm -hmm. I'm still somewhat positive. By the way, this isn't just against a top five team in the NBA, a top, you know, five team in the East. This is the team with the best record in the East. Sure. Small sample size, small window, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's still the number one team on their home floor. And I think you can really, realistically, you can really only hang your head so much. You can find yeah. some things that are some negatives and things that you don't love so much, which is something <laughs> I'm sure you can find in just about any loss and True. find some positives in there too. But I think you got to have good balance and take it as a learning lesson and consider when you are healthy at some point in time, I have a good feeling that in the event, you'll be able to walk away with it looking a little bit different. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about what healthy looks like for the Hawks because, of course, we know that there were some challenges with health on the Celtics side as well, with Kristaps Porzingis being out, Drew Holiday being out for a second game as well. So you kind of go up and down throughout the season losing players. But I would argue, and it'd be interesting to see what you have to say in the end one, but I'd argue that maybe the loss for the Hawks is a bigger stinger than maybe Porzingis and Holiday arguably combined because quite a big loss at the four that we'll talk about in a little while. But yeah, you also make a good point about the fact that you've got to get the basics right. When you talk about a team that had a point, had a 19 point deficit, the Hawks were down by 19 and they were able to battle back. Of course, they lose by 10. But I mean, in essence, you're cutting that in half. You do look to the margins, right? And try to figure out where could the game have been won. And yeah, you when you're getting free shots at the charity stripe, you got to make that. Like you have to make that doing well everywhere else. Field goal percentage tonight, nearly 41%, not bad from the three point line, nearly 36%. But yeah, when we're talking about 63% from a team that has always been known to be able to hit their mark from the free throw line, it is a little bit troublesome when you dig down and figure out, especially when you flip those stats 
and you look at where the C's landed and field goal wise, 44%, three point wise, under 28%. And again, we'll talk about that in the and one as well. I just wanted to throw in this last piece to Nietzsche. This is something that, again, it's not something that we're used to seeing with this right. team. Yeah, okay? not at all. When you start looking at the Hawks, the number two in scoring in the NBA in general, mm-hmm. number four in the NBA in terms of free throw percentage. The yes. percentage is just one particular piece. When you start looking at the other element of it, where they are also top five in the NBA ranks in terms of attempts of getting there, yes. plus top five in the NBA in terms of you know converting on those free throws, attempts just getting there alone is one thing. Being yeah. able to knock those down is a whole nother thing, plus the percentage piece. All of those things tend to add up. So I, 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 I it's it's nothing to 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 feel too crazy about the uh, the the one thing I think about it that uh certainly didn't necessarily help them nearly as much is the fact that we know that the Atlanta Hawks is one of the better teams in terms of getting up and down in terms of pace space transition they just played three top teams in the NBA between you know Philly right. uh, Washington and Indiana <laughs> right able to yep. get up and down that's something that the Hawks excel and exceed in um, obviously that looks different because of the type of defensive team that Boston is. So that didn't help sure. them a lot, but in the end, I think it did because they'll know what to do and how to adjust next time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those things where when you kind of look into the numbers and you see points in the paint, 46 to 34, I mean, 34 is still not bad for the Hawks only because to your point, it means that they were still on some level being aggressive. And they were getting to the free throw line, which means that they were being aggressive and making the Celtics pay for it by getting there. It's just that you have to capitalize when you get there. Now, speaking of somebody who capitalized, in case you guys missed it, uh, 13 can shoot. 13 can really, really shoot. So, So that is my takeaway. And it may seem like not a big deal, but when you are looking for shots, especially when you're losing some of your potency from the bench from Benchmob 2.0 because of players that had to be inserted into the starting lineup. It's very encouraging to see Bogdan Bogdanovich have the kind of night that he had when you're looking at a point in the night where literally he went 17 minutes without missing a shot. Yep. 17 minutes. He was seven of seven from the field, six of six from three, which may be the most astounding of those numbers. Right. And the fact that he had 20 of those 23 points with nary a free throw. That is so amazing, and it just speaks to the efficiency that Bogdan Bogdanovich brings to the table and an efficiency that you're going to sorely need because when you have to insert a Sadiq Bey into the lineup in the absence of a Jalen Johnson, you've got to find offensive firepower somewhere up and down that bench. So I loved what I saw at a 13 tonight. And I did as well. I think you'll be really hard-pressed to find someone who that wasn't impressed. Yes. <laughs> um, I like to think even Boston fans were impressed uh, with what they were able to see him do out there on the floor. I mean, at one point in time, we were talking about what, six for six from three or seven for yep, seven? Or, yep, seven yeah. from seven field, I mean, six from three, yeah, 20 three throws. What? That Crazy. takes me back to my NBA jam, he's on fire moments. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and obviously, you know, you know, it, nobody's saying he's, you know, the second coming of Steph Curry or anything like that, you know, but the reality is giving him credit of picking up where he last left off. Remember in the off season, um, he did, you know, participate 
um, in the FIBA as well. Um, and where he, you know, obviously led his country and did very well there. Uh, but even I mentioned, you know, there was times early at the beginning where those first couple games that they lost and I wasn't seeing him getting the kind of burn, let alone shots, uh, you know, that were uh, put in place for him, especially mm -hmm. where he can excel and exceed coming off of curls. One of the better players on the team in terms of being balanced between mid range and from three. Uh, I like what I'm seeing out of bogey. And I think that I really feel really, really good that this is something that's going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. And to see him do that with 28 minutes or 32 minutes, I know typically we like to kind of see him hover around 20 to 24, I'll say to 28 minutes, if you will, 32 minutes, a little bit more than we want from bogey, but knowing that he can step up and he can handle the challenge of it in the absence of Jalen Johnson is just what the doctor ordered. Now, when we come back, we're going to, of course, dig into the, and one, we're going to talk more Hawks Celtics, but first let's talk prize picks. So, Deshaun, if you wanted to, right, you could actually have maybe kind of sort of walked into a space today where if you wanted to do some daily fantasy sports betting, you actually could with prize picks. Now, with prize picks, it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharps, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's pretty fun because you can have winnings of up to 25 times the money this basketball season. You can select two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats, and go ahead and place your entry. So this week on Prize Picks, you might actually select Trey Young. I mean, the team is going to go up against the Cavs come Tuesday. Trey had 33 points, and he's been consistently hovering around that 34 mark average. So maybe you want to go for it and say that he's going to score more than his typical 35 come Tuesday. If you want to test out your skills this basketball season, Prize Picks is the place for you to go. So when you're ready to rock and roll, go to prizepicks.com/lockedonNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's Prize Picks dot com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. And that is prize picks daily fantasy sports for you made easy. All right, so let's deep dive into our and one and talk about something that we've been kind of teasing throughout the show, but now we got to finally get to the not so good news that we heard just this morning ahead of the Celtics game. So of course, Jalen Johnson went down with that left wrist injury against the Wizards in Saturday's game. Now, according to the Hawks, he's expected to be out about three to four. I know it makes me, it pains me to even say it to Sean. That's why, if you notice, I kind of alluded to it in the first segment. I never really said it out right because it's almost one of those things where you're watching the game, right? Or if you're me and you're out of town, you're following it on Twitter or you're trying to listen to it online here and there, and you see the words, Jalen Johnson goes to the locker room or Jalen Johnson not expected to return and all of a sudden it's just like a pit you know in the pit of your stomach you're like this ain't good this ain't good right. so of course we got the word from the hawks they went through uh, the mri and got confirmation that indeed it's a left wrist injury that'll keep him out for about three to four weeks but they'll evaluate it but here's the positive of it 
Initially, it was thought maybe it could be four to six weeks, but they're actually erring on the side of caution saying three to four and thinking maybe he could be back in a three-week stretch of time. So I said, okay, we'll walk away and thinking that's encouraging, so to speak. But the bottom line is this, that is still a huge loss because I would say that he has been the most consistent at the four position for the Hawks starter as a starter this season. But I almost want to tell you he's been the most consistent Hawk this season, period, from day one or game one. So for you, Deshaun, what do you think is going to be the biggest aspect of his game that this team will miss? Most, well, for sure, the consistency. And listen, when you even mention him being the most consistent player that you've seen so far this season, it just had me thinking like things I never thought that I would hear myself say. And by no means, by no means is it a dig on Jalen Johnson. I know that it sounds much like it, but I told you, viewers, listeners, before I love to be wrong, especially yeah. for the betterment of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, because I couldn't have been more wrong when I see how quickly his development has has come along. Um, even more so, I think that the rebounding is probably a 1A. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you, like, forget about just the things that are going to show up on the stat sheet. I want people right. to think outside the box. Yes. He gave this team confidence yes that because there's games that they won that they wouldn't have won without Jalen Johnson sure. there's games that they competed in that they would have been probably nowhere close to even being in the game if it wasn't for the energy he brought not yes. the things that showed up on the stat sheet you know so again it's the consistency um for this team that he brought that I think that they're really gonna miss and then, you know what to be honest about it Starting on tonight with the Boston game, mm -hmm. and this is where I think it is a good thing. We're about to learn something about this team. You know, yep. I mean, we're, we're about to find out exactly what it is they're made of. Never did I think we're going to say we're going to learn a lot about the team when Jalen Johnson's not able to be active and playing in a basketball game. It's like, right. or it's kind of like, okay, I'm kind of used to that. Now it's something mm -hmm. a little bit different. So yeah. um, from that standpoint, though, I, I think we're going to learn something. And it's good because there's been times when they didn't have Trey and we had to learn what that's like. When they didn't have DeJounte, he wasn't having a good game. Had to learn what that's like. Different guys taking turns, maybe not in the fashion that we love, mm -hmm. but not being active to learn who else has to step up in those roles in the event yeah. that we're in a playoff type situation or scenario. We know exactly what to do and where to go. Right. And I think, too, with Jalen, it's the improvement in every area, right? It's when you look at the stats kind of year over year and you see where he is this year, he's averaging you know, 14.1 points a game. I mean, this is a guy who last year averaged 5.6 points a game. So in every category, he's just improved his numbers, if you will. He's up, of course. Uh, it, it, he's hovering at 12 minutes technically for um, average, uh, I'm sorry, 29.9 minutes for games started, which would be 12 for him this season so far. But again, that's double what he had last year. It's 15 minutes. But it's not so much, oh, well, since he has double the minutes, that's why he has double the productivity. No, you've got to dig into his numbers because there's efficiency there. There's good shot selection there. There's good decision making there. So it's not just about a doubling of the minutes that is the reason for this. And I think the other thing you mentioned was this. 
I can dig into these stats. I can tell you this free throw numbers have improved 63% now to 76%. I can tell you that the defense, the rebounds have doubled, the assists have doubled. Every number's doubled. But what I can't tell you what might be the most important thing is something you just mentioned. It's the energy. I can think of two plays at the last home game. One was he's, you know, slams the ball and yet he, he you know, goes in for the dunk. And he's the first guy back on defense. Another time I can think of the ball, the possession arrow would have clearly gone in the other direction, but Jalen Johnson's hustle allowed for it to be a jump ball. Those are the little things that we'll never see in a stat line, but that we know makes all the difference in this team, especially because the Hawks get off to slow starts, but Jalen Johnson has not gotten off to many slow starts this season. So I think that's one piece. Here's the other sneaky, good, sneaky, intriguing piece. And that is, I know for me, I was fine. I felt like the Hawks would be just fine without John Collins. Do I wish that there would have been another maybe superstar power forward that they would have acquired in the offseason? Sure. But having seen Jalen Johnson's progression or ascension from his days with Skyhawks, me covering him there, coupled with Sadiq Bey and what he could do, I was like, no, 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 for real, they're going to be okay. And Onyeka Okongu going between the four and five, team will be just fine. You said it to Sean, and I'm going to expand on what you said, which is now we get to see just how fine you are at that power four if the guy who is the guy is not able to be the guy. For sure. And listen, I mean, that's what the expectation was coming into the season prior to Jalen. So Jalen mm-hmm. came in, he filled a void that was left behind by John Collins, which if I'm just being honest, I think I'm pretty comfortable speaking for many people when they say there was still that question mark when John Collins was on his way out. It's like, okay, maybe I'm not super crazy nervous or whatever. I got to go fill it. We'll figure it out. But I really don't know what the answer is to the void that's left behind by him. Mm-hmm. Jalen Johnson led by example. Yes. Stepped in, plug and play right away. But we didn't know that prior to game one, two, three, all of these different games. So if we're taking ourselves back to that same situation now because you don't have Jalen, Maybe the next question perhaps now is who's the next most important piece that you really need to step up? Yeah. And that's, that was my very next question. In fact, who do you want to see? Because obviously a number of players are going to have to step up. We haven't mentioned AJ Griffin, but he would be another one of those players who has to step up in that space, right? Between the three and the five, I'll just call it between a player who doesn't play a backcourt position. Let's say that. Obviously, all those guys are going to have to step up in some way, shape, or form. But I do feel like there has to be the guy. And who has to be that guy, the guy who steps up the most in order for the Hawks to stay on track these next couple of weeks? I think it's a combination of two guys. And one of them is probably the most consistent. And ironically and coincidentally enough, the other guy might be the most inconsistent. The most consistent is probably Sadiq Bey when they want to, well, both of these guys, when they wanted to probably go into small ball scenarios and yes. situations. Um, that player is Sadiq Bey, who probably doesn't give you the bulk of, um, you know, his contribution in bundles. It kind of just floats throughout the entire uh, game. Mm-hmm. But then the other pieces. DeAndre Hunter, who's clearly now on a new pregame ritual, whatever that is. But according to the last two games or so, fingers crossed, I like it so far. Um, All of that being said, he is the other guy who can give you that scoring piece in bundles and in bunches. 
those are the two guys that I I think is relied upon the most, but that's being very undersized and you're limiting yourself and you got to really figure out how you can get up and down. You're going to struggle with rebounds, but you got to be quicker to the rebounds and putting in a little bit more effort and physicality than everybody else. I would have liked to really see the rookie Muhammad Gay in this situation. I know he's been out, he's been inactive, uh, mm-hmm. But I would have really been curious to see what he can bring to the table when you don't have someone like a uh, like a Jalen Johnson in place. Yeah, and that's that's a fair one because you know I, I I'm still kind of feeling some type of way. Two games, albeit they maybe have good games for Dre, but again, I just don't know that I'm confident or comfortable kind of relying on him in that space, if you will. But hey, hey, that could just be me. Uh, we we will see because we're gonna have three weeks to figure it out. But we'll talk about that and a little bit more upcoming in our Who Got Next. We're going to go rapid fire in just a minute. But first, I want to download with you guys on FanDuel. So when we think about FanDuel, it is the number one sports book in America where you can score early, rather, this NFL season. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because this is one of the most user-friendly apps out there. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So it's really easy. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on throughout the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. You know why? Because FanDuel is the official, official partner of the NFL. All right, Deshaun, I know we got to do a little bit of rapid fire and we're going to talk who got next, but I did want to go back to one interesting question for me and then a thought that you had before we wrap up. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, because it has been a topic of conversation between you and I this entire, the entirety of this season so far, and that is perimeter defense. Now, the Celtics are the sixth best team in the NBA in three-point percentage at 37.7% per game, but they only shot 27.7% against the Hawks. So my question to you is this. Do you think that was more attributed to some solid perimeter defense on the Hawks part this game? Or was it just one of those eh, where kind of sort of the C's had an off off shooting night against the Hawks from deep? I think it was a combination of both. Um, if I'm just okay, but I'm gonna beg you. I want to know which one was more, which was the 60, which one was the 40. In that situation, I'm probably going to go – I'm going to go a little bit more towards the Hawks. Okay. And, and, and them being able to get stops. I don't think if they were able to get the kind of stops that they did – now, granted, we all know that they did get some help from Boston just missing wide-open shots, hence why I said a combination of both. But yeah. even in those instances where Atlanta was there and they were present – um, and they were able to, you know, contest some shots being there. They weren't, you know, running out at players trying to close out at the last minute. Trey Young's defense has improved, um, you know, this year. DeJounte Murray, uh, maybe not as great offensively, so he's got to use as he's one of the better balanced, you know, uh, players yeah. on the team on both sides of the ball, using his defense because his shot's not falling as much. Um, right. And I think we're just getting little extra boosts of energy from some of the other guys. Like, 
Bogey Bogdanovich, even on the defensive side, he's not like a complete liability and three-point right. specialist only type of guy. DeAndre mm -hmm. Hunter, maybe not the greatest defensive you know, player, but he is starting to show a little bit more improve. Like, I feel like there's more spunk with him, even if it's only in the last, you know, few hours or so. And I don't want to say it too loud. I'm afraid he might hear me and get back into the, some of those old ways. Um, but I just do think that, you know, even with Oyeka Okongu even assisting yeah. out on the perimeter more. And we saw some of that tonight as well. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think that there are some instances where maybe Atlanta didn't do as well, per se, um, you know, on the offensive end, which concerned me a little bit because some of your better defenders were not playing tonight, A, and B, no longer even on the team. You did not have um you know some of your drew holiday out there marcus smart is not on this team anymore um, um malcolm brogdon is not on this team anymore maybe not for perimeter purposes but uh, uh porzaps chris porzingis is not you know active on tonight so i don't think that that helped atlanta a ton per se uh but atlanta sure made up for it in their own ways on the defensive side where they didn't allow one guy uh particularly um like um um like Derek White to get loose. Yeah. I never yeah. thought I never thought that they could uh, be able to allow if you're going to let Jason Tatum get his, it is what it is, so be it. He's that good. Jalen Brown is going to get his. That's just the way it is, so be it. It is what it is. Um but in that situation, you limit them or contain them as much as you can, but Derek White is the key piece that you can't yeah. afford to have a great night. It, agreed. And it seems like he's always kind of that Hawks killer, for lack of a better term, because I know every time I saw him last season do damage to the Hawks, I was like, yep, that's kind of the guy I kept begging, pleading, and hoping someone would borrow for for them to get him at the trade deadline. And lo and behold, every time he like plays the Hawks, I'm like, yeah, that's the guy I kind of sort of wanted. Yeah, and I've been begging and pleading for him to finally join the club <laughs> and go all the way, ball. Just leave it alone. Just let it go. Let, let it, it go. ride. Let it fly. It's gonna be what it's gonna be at the end of the day. So he 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 joined the uh the the bald and beautiful club over here, I guess. So congratulations to him on that, if not nothing yeah. else. Well, that was one good thing he did because he sure wasn't shooting tonight any good. Oh for six from the <laughs> That's it. But listen, the Hawks have another chest on their hands coming up Tuesday. They are going to their second stop on this four-game road trip. They'll be in Cleveland on Tuesday. So they're going to have to contend with Spider, and they're going to have to contend with Darius Garland as well. What do you feel like are the keys to the game so that the Hawks can improve the one-and-one -one on this road trip with a win against the Cavs? Continue to match the energy because I think that's the yeah. one thing that we have been seeing, even if it resulted in losses for this team. We know that they were not long ago coming off of a four game home, you know, losing streak or whatnot. But one thing that they did is they did not just lay down. They actually yeah. fought and they were in all of those games um, to a point where they were really with, you know, within reach of being able to win those games. Even tonight, again, remind you against mm -hmm. the number one ranked or number one record in not only the yeah. East, but in the NBA right there within reach and cut a deficit from 20 all the way down to eight, which is always good. So just continue to compete, 
um, you know, try and you know, rebound and keep those turnovers low, like I always yeah. say, but just matching the energy no matter where you are. Atlanta is one of the few teams that I feel good, no matter what building they're in, win, lose, draw, or anything in between, that mm -hmm. they're at least going to compete. I'm happy to see them at least doing that, but we know that wins have got to be the end result at some point. Indeed. And you got to stop Max Drews. Happens to be that the other Hawks killer who was on the Heat team, you know, one of those guys like a Derek White, Max Drew seemed to always give the Hawks the business. Now they've got to be concerned with him with the Cavs and some of his numbers going up. You know, he was a guy who averaged 35% from three against most teams. Against the Hawks, usually it was over 40%, just to keep it real. Now he's up to 38% from deep uh, this year. So definitely their perimeter defense is going to be put to the test once again Tuesday. Listen, we appreciate you guys for stopping by to talk Hawks. As always, the Locked on Hawks postcast is your best place to get all your Hawks talk. It is local, and we absolutely love to bring it to you each and every post game for the Hawks. So remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel for Locked On. And as always, stop by again. We're going to download on Hawks Cavs on Tuesday, but the Locked On Sports Atlanta team will see you tomorrow.